<clears throat> All right. So here's here's my conversation starter. Oh boy. It's not even controversial at all this time. Or <laughs> oh, maybe that's it is. A we'll fi- we'll figure out if we can make it controversial and then we'll we'll run with it. Um, <laughs> data structures and algorithms. How uh, much experience <laughs> and knowledge and education and practice? How much do you have with those like high level data structures and algorithms? How much experience um, do you have with those? Now, are you talking about logarithms or algorithms? Mm, <laughs> <laughs> algorithms although algorithms can include logarithms it's um so james i haven't told you this my son's gotten into the rubik's cube like yeah hard, hardcore like i made him a nice. very terrible looking rubik's cube cake for his birthday oh um, <laughs> pictures he, or it didn't happen i'll send him uh it looks awful <laughs> <laughs> i expect no less <laughs> or no more uh, or no less. i don't know <laughs> To be expected. Uh, But it's funny to hear him talk about algorithms. He'll be like, yeah, Yeah. I did this algorithm on my Rubik's Cube. (laughs) And it always makes me think, a logarithm or algorithm? Yeah, Yeah, just go ahead and start him early. You mean logarithm? (laughs) Don't don't use the wrong thing. Yeah, I I groaned because uh, recently I decided to take an interview to like keep my skills up. And, you know, I've got like over 10 years in the industry. Every bit of code I've ever written is like published online. I've got blog posts, YouTube videos. And like literally the first thing they asked me to do was a 60 minute take home test for data structures and algorithms. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like (laughs) I'm done with this interview. (laughs) And uh, I I literally thought to myself, I should use chat GPT to solve this, Mm. you know? I don't know if that's one of those karma things that's going to come back and bite you in the butt, you know, but if you understand the code, you understand the code. So you can so explain did you do it. That? I am dragging my feet, just making that decision. Yeah. Mm. I don't funny. know. I just want to see like how many you could get through. I feel like, dude, this is a 10x developer. He submitted 200. <laughs> <laughs> Solve problems. <laughs> so did, do you feel, so obviously that's like annoying just because it's a lot of work. Do you feel like it's something you're capable of doing, like just experience wise? Like, do you have the formal experience to be able to define and articulate big O notation and choose the optimal data structure and that kind of stuff? I like have a pretty good grasp on, you know, time complexity, space complexity, why you would use like a map over Mm -hmm. a list of things. But sometimes, especially when coding live, you know, you can just get tripped up on stuff where it's like, uh, I'm just blanking and I'm forgetting like that mm-hmm. last exit case that like makes everything fall in line, you know? Yeah. And did you, I'll, I'll come to you next, Jacob, but um, Brad, did you have, I forget, do you have a computer science degree? No, I'm an electrical okay. engineer. That's what I thought. Okay. So have you ever had any formal education around data structures and algorithms? I took one class on it in college and... Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we implemented any of them. I think it was mostly just like theory. Cool. Yeah. Um, By the way, welcome Pixie on YouTube, Mark and Matthew on Twitch. What's going on, everyone? Uh, Matthew said just finished up some or wrapped up some refactoring. I'd love to know more details. What's the project? What language? Whatever you want to share. I think that'd be neat. Uh, We are just chatting. We're going to start our official episode of the podcast in a few minutes, but this is kind of our intro warm-up convo topic and i was asking about just general experience that we all have about data structures and algorithms and brad shared a little bit about his experience and then i was going to go to jacob uh next so i guess first question 
do you have do you have a formal computer science degree? Um, that's a difficult question because, to be honest, my university is not technical one. Okay. It's more like a business one. So even though I was studying something what was called business IT, uh, it still wasn't like computer science. It was more like usage of IT in the modern business. Hmm. So it's not like fu fully computer science, but some sort of computer science. So it was more related to databases, to oh. business analysis, stuff like that. A bit of data science, but not as much um, computer science. So I haven't even got a single uh, lecture about algorithms, algorithms or data structures. So I can't really say that I, it was from my studies more. I, I learned throughout like learning on my own, but still I believe that the algorithm is just a fancy word for saying to someone who is not Solve technical, how it, I invented this algorithm, so we don't want to share the source code, <laughs> yeah. but we just want to name it the way that it sounds. Interesting yeah, and I, for the reader, reader or yeah. yeah. I feel like half the time like they're not asking you to like perform an algorithm you would have learned in school necessarily like a binary search or a depth first search or or whatever. Uh, I think more often than not, those data structures and algorithms questions are normally just like solve some problem that requires a little bit of recursion or, you know, critical thinking. Yeah, it's the reason this is top of mind for me. I did um, last Thursday in our like community open hour chat thing in Discord. I was like, let's do beginner JavaScript stuff. And then I don't know if I pushed us in this direction, but we ended up going to like time complexity, uh, like big O notation. And I just kind of did like, um, oh, they're commenting on the, the screens. I was like, what are the four squares? Uh, but it's the number of screen because we have four people here. Now I get it. Thanks, chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started kind of talking about this stuff and, and really enjoyed it. And I, I have a formal CS degree, so I I've taken both data structures and algorithms and I'm, I'm definitely not super, super good or intelligent about these things, but I, I know like pretty solid intermediate stuff. So anyway, I was just kind of winging it and then it seemed like people really enjoyed it. And then I was like, what do y'all think about doing this again next week? Which was, uh, yesterday. And so we did a, not necessarily a part two in terms of like, it was pro a natural progression. Cause this is me just making up teaching on the spot and really, really enjoyed it. And, um, I'm thinking uh, like, I've, I've kind of thought about this before, but I want to kind of take that idea into more of a formal, like data structure and algorithms for JavaScript developers. Cause it's often one of those things that doesn't get actual attention. And then you potentially get like limited in the types of interviews that you can be successful in. Cause you've never like actually spent dedicated time on those topics and they can be not all the time, but they can be really important for certain types of interviews. Uh, so anyway, I was thinking about doing more of that stuff and posted on Twitter about that. And everybody was like, yes, please do it, do it, do it, do it. So that's something that's kind of, like you have a URL kind for of it. top of mind. I have a URL. Yeah. What do you mean? You have a URL for it unless you decide to do something else with it. Oh, that's a different thing. That's JS challenges. Oh, it still apply. Yes, it could. Um, yes, it could. There's also, I just had, I won't say it out loud, but I want to search to see if it's just available now. In, in your head. <laughs> um, this one, the one I just looked at is not available. So I guess I can say it is dsa.dev. So data structures and algorithms uh, uh, .dev. But I also thought about. Um, Better be careful. Buy it now. I know. I'm not going to say this one out loud in case I want to. What? That one's not available either. Oh, terrible. Anyway. 
Yeah, there's definitely value in like teaching that stuff. I think it's really good, like fundamentals, programming concepts. But I, I'm here to raise the flag that says like I just don't think it plays any part in very specifically front end interviews. Like yep. never in my life have I really had to do anything that tricky, you know, writing real application code. I don't know how to do it. I'll own it. Yeah. Then, okay. Okay. I don't know how to do it. Uh, we, I did do like some weird bubble sort thing in college. <laughs> don't remember how to do that. Yep. And I've never been on a project where it's been an issue. Yep. So Amy, if, if that's the case, how do you handle interviewing when, you know, that step number one, that <laughs> first step is like, do, it for an do this. Cause that, that makes me so mad. You know, when I get asked that, how, you, you just find opportunities that don't require that well, or that know your background or. I was going to say, yeah. So some of it is like the opportunities that I've interviewed for um, yeah. or talked to. So like if I'm interviewing for director of design, not a problem. <laughs> you know, uh, I did have what about if few... you're interviewing for um, Redwood JS core team that all oh, relationship <laughs> relationship, yeah. you know, um, a lot Hashtag of the serious, yeah, serious conversations I've had with people or job offers have been out of uh, my existing network. The other thing is um, I did interview for a, well, not really interview. It was like an initial conversation of interest director of front end position. And then it's more of like, let's talk about relationships or how you lead people or that kind of thing. I'm not actually having to do the work and write those algorithms yeah. or a logarithms. Either one, either <laughs> slash both. Yeah. I've, so I did like all of my, none of my Microsoft interviews were that technical. Um, I never had like whiteboarding stuff with Microsoft. I never had whiteboarding stuff with Another company in Nashville, uh, Sherion, that I interviewed with, and they like really liked me personality wise. And then I bombed the interviews. It was um, like object oriented programming questions, and I just I, I I didn't do college correctly in terms of like learning computer science. I got good grades, but uh, anyway. So outside of my Google interviews and one that I did before I went to All Zero for a local company, I've I've really rarely ever had uh, whiteboarding stuff. But I think to your point, like it's it's not super practical, like. Someone commented, bubble sort, how, how many times have you written it? You just don't, right? Like you use built-in sort algorithms to a language because they're there and they've already been optimized. So we don't need to like redo all of that logic ourselves. It doesn't make sense. But I do think there are times where like even occasionally on front end where like you can make intentional decisions about how you store data. Front end, most likely it doesn't have a significant impact on your like whether you store something in array versus a map. It's probably not going to matter that much because you don't have that much data on the front end. Again, if you get to a situation where it matters, then you can go do research, right? And you can go figure out like, hey, ChatGPT or teammate, why is this running slow? We can have a learning opportunity from that. So it's not the most practical all the time, but I do think it's like it can be helpful just to have some of that background knowledge of of how of the actual science behind computers. Um, I really feel for juniors right now that are or especially like the people that are trying to break into the industry and get their first job in tech, because, um, you know, I've had instances where like, if you're trying to submit your resume, I don't even have like, I feel like the resume that would get that email back, um, Brad, that you're talking about to say, Hey, take this test because I don't have a Fang. I don't have mm -hmm. an Adobe. I don't have a Jira or any of those things on my resume. But there's other things, other skills that I feel like I bring to the table that 
might even be more valuable, but yeah. just because yeah. the system is the way that it is, I can't even get in the door. I just, it's like whatever computer they have running on my resume, it's like, this isn't, we can find somebody better or with more experience. Yeah, I almost feel like my resume is tailored to the bigger companies who do the those types of interviews. Mm-hmm. So I'm all, almost getting funneled into like the step zero data structures and algorithms type mm-hmm. uh, process. Well, and it does raise the question too, like how often is this just an automated process to weed everybody out to get you to have the conversation? And yeah. I don't yeah, they know. didn't. They didn't even think twice before they were like, "Here's the link to the hacker rank test. Go." Yeah, and you know the question too is: Is that the way that it's always been, or right now, just because there's so many people in tech, is that the easiest way to weed people out? It, well, it's going to be. It's getting less effective. Like I said, I could just I could probably put the prompt verbatim into ChatGPT and get a working mm-hmm. solution. So, like that weed out step is no longer going to be relevant whatsoever. Here's okay. I'll I'll put the hot take, and then we'll actually like. I, I was just thinking we should okay, have. So we need just to clip a, this because this we, is we a should. good bonus. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also think this just us sitting on a panel and chatting. I think this is valuable content too because I I get attached to like personalities and like hearing people's perspectives and like just this I think is super fun. Jacob, we also haven't let you talk as much so far, so we're gonna move <laughs> into like the focus is on you in a second. But I think my hot take, and this kind of combines some of what Brad said, but directly related to what Amy said, at this point in my career, and I also acknowledge like I'm in a pretty good place in my career, My I don't give a shit about my resume. I, I haven't even touched my resume in years. And the reason is, I didn't need a resume for my last job. I didn't need a resume. I might have had a resume for the previous thing. If I were to interview for someone now, it's not because of my resume. It's because of networking and like having been in public and shared my knowledge and and kind of those things are just obvious. And again, like I'm in a different pers- um, situation than a lot. I'm in a privileged position to have the audience and the exposure that I've gotten. But Amy, to your point, like opportunities for me are going to come from relationships and having proved myself in different ways, not just words on a piece of paper or like a mm-hmm. digital piece of paper. We need to... Um bring Taylor in on this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I know he has a few thoughts. <laughs> I was going to see if I have time while I'm in Nashville, I was going to text you and Taylor to see if you wanted to get together for, for coffee. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, automated resume gates can definitely hurt juniors. Alternative might be an untenable. Yeah. There's definitely like, I think it's easy for us to complain about resumes getting automatically rejected but it's also just not feasible a lot of times for people to look through 500 or a thousand resumes. So there's not a perfect situation. Obviously like we could avoid the automated part of that ideal, but there's still a time limit of how much time people can spend reading them. I think that just goes to show, especially in those situations where you have to play the game and the game is include keywords on your resume and you have to tailor that to make it through those situations to get the opportunity to just show who you are and your knowledge in an interview. Like that's, that's where then it becomes about you. Almost everything up until being in the interview is like playing the game to get to the interview. Uh, the last time <laughs> I had to submit my inter- my resume, so my resume is designed. Designer, Obviously. you know. <laughs> well, and there's tons of services out there that you can go to and get like a designed resume template. And mm-hmm. when I first started looking for jobs, it was like, make sure your resume looks good because that's your first impression. Make it stand out. But what's interesting is they can't use that in like your automated 
situations, like the OCR can't always find the information that it needs. Mm -hmm. So I had to resubmit a resume that was just plain Jane text, but Mm -hmm. ugly for that reason that they needed to send it through their reader. Absolutely. Which like, as, especially for, as a designer, like in your shoes, but even in mine, I would feel so shitty about like having this really beautiful thing and then having to like downgrade yep. so that I can submit something that is going to be able to pick up keywords easier. But like, it's all a game that you can I, play to get into the room. Okay. So James, I give you veto power over this converse, this question, because <laughs> it could, <laughs> it could go down another rabbit hole. What was interesting <laughs> was with the resume, they said, spend all of your time as a designer focusing on your portfolio, make your resume plain Jane. And then link off to your portfolio and use that as an opportunity to show everything off, mm. which the question becomes, that makes sense as a designer, as a developer, do you need the, that same thing to send to somebody? Do you need a portfolio of all your code? Does your GitHub need to be perfect in those situations? I will not veto. I will defer first to <laughs> Jacob. Perfect. So like part of this conversation is open source and like you have things that are built in public. Do you, what are your thoughts on that of like the importance of your portfolio as a developer when you potentially look for new opportunities in the future? So I would say that it is important, but to be honest, from my own experience, that wasn't like a a crucial thing. It was more like uh, an addition. Nice to have Hmm. That, uh, for example, an employer looked at my profile and decided, oh, this guy is doing some nice open source things. Um, I'm not sure if he looked at the code, uh, hopefully not. But uh, yeah, just the fact that I was contributing to open source and giving back to what I was using uh, on my daily basis, I, I think this makes more sense in terms of the personality of the of the person that they are employing. So if they're looking for someone who can not just take, but also give, because if you are an open sourcer, I will call it like this, um, you sometimes not as a developer, you, at least this is my experience. Of, of course, maybe there are other cases. So I would say that the person that is contributing to open source, I think is more willing, willingly or willingness to, to basically uh, take more ownership of the stuff, this is what I experienced, that even if you contribute to open source and working in your company in an enterprise project, because of your experience with open source, where you are giving back, back to, to the community um, what you previously was using a lot, because I'm sh- pretty certain that all of us are using uh, a lot of open source. So because of that, you are capable to have bigger ownership, and maybe that's the that's why com- companies and employees might be looking employers might be looking for your profile this is my experience that when i was doing some interviews the employers were usually referring to my github in terms of how let's say self sufficient i am how much i can do on my own without any guidance so i would say look companies or employers might be looking at that However, uh, in terms of the previous discussion that you were having about the juniors, um, this is something that we had recently in Poland and we have, I think right now, and we will have for a few years, 
um, which is the fact that we basically don't have uh, programming or developer offers for juniors. Like for interns, for sure. For juniors, we might have few of them like across the whole country. And it is because there were a lot of those code camps, like, you know, those curses where you can just pay, you know, 10,000 euros to switch your career and start having a great life and stuff like that. No, those promises. And because of that, a lot of people were intrigued by it. Why, why shouldn't I try it? And they, even some of my friends decided that this is a good opportunity. So they spent a lot of money for the cars where there was a guarantee to get a job in IT. So those companies, after doing the course, they stopped contacting you and you were, wasn't able to contact them. Mm. Like there was no contact from their side, even though there was like this full, Promise of... full guarantee of, yeah. of being employed after. Wow. So imagine spending you know, 10,000 euros on a course and just getting anything out of it. Yeah. Because the course was one month and you basically know how to build the portfolio in HTML. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, there's there's so many good opportunities, good boot camps, good courses, but it also has opened up the door for scams for mm -hmm. people that are just looking to earn money and not care about the the people that are going through the curriculum. Mm 